This episode contains descriptions of body horror. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. The following is an excerpt from Algernon Blackwood's The Willows, where our narrator sees the tree's true form for the first time. They first became properly visible, these huge figures, just within the tops of the bushes, immense, bronze-colored, moving, and wholly independent of the swaying of the branches. They rose upwards in a continuous stream from earth to sky. They were interlaced one with another, making a great column, and I saw their limbs and huge bodies melting in and out of each other, forming this serpentine line that bent and swayed and twisted spirally with the contortions of the wind-tossed trees. Their faces I never could see. I searched everywhere for a proof of reality, when all the while I understood quite well that the standard of reality had changed. Hi everyone, I'm Alastair Murden, and this is Haunted Places Ghost Stories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Ghost stories have arisen from every century and every corner of the world, from the streets of Victorian Whitechapel to the temples of Japan. Whether seated around the campfire or curled up with a pair of headphones, we return to them time and again to feel our skin crawl and our hearts race. Episodes of Ghost Stories are inspired by classic short stories from some of history's greatest authors. The following version is our own unique take. It may feel familiar in some ways and different in others. We hope you enjoy it. You can find episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we conclude Algernon Blackwood's 1907 novella, The Willows. Inspired by the author's own canoeing trips down the Danube River in Europe, The Willows is considered by many to be one of the greatest works of both survival drama and supernatural horror in the literary world. This is the final entry in a two-part series, so if you haven't listened to part one yet, make sure you go back and start from the beginning. I will continue to tell the story from the point of view of Seamus, an adventurer who finds himself trapped on an isolated island in the ever-shifting Danube Delta in what is now modern-day Slovakia. When he and his Swedish guide Ulf find a bloated body floating near the shore, Seamus suspects that they're not alone. Later that night, he sees the willow trees on the island twisting and changing to form a horrifying supernatural entity, or entities. Seamus is now certain that the willows are controlled by a malevolent force beyond human comprehension. Ulf urges Seamus not to think about the bizarre occurrences happening on the island as the willows draw their power from the minds of their victims. But as things grow from strange to stranger and the water continues to rise around them, Seamus can only ignore the willows for so much longer. Coming up, Seamus and Ulf try to escape the island before it's too late.
This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Though I have climbed mountains and traversed jungles, I've always considered myself a philosopher at heart. To me, there's no greater setting for contemplation than nature herself. Yet now, I needed to stop thinking if I had any hope to survive. As I laid in our canvas tent, listening to the wind whip the strange willows outside, I couldn't help but wonder that perhaps this was revenge for my hubris. I'd committed myself to hunting the secrets of the natural world, and now that world had found a way to hunt me. Ulf promised me that we'd live to make it off this small island if I simply stopped thinking about what I'd seen in the willows, or not in them, but rather what was controlling them. Whatever it was, it was difficult to describe. Ulf assumed they were looking for us, considering the way it, or they, had walked toward me, head lurching from side to side, I was inclined to agree. Now, Ulf was snoring as though the whole thing hadn't happened, and I was left alone with the impossible task of not thinking about what was waiting for us just outside our tent. Ulf jerked in his sleep. It looked as though he was fighting something. Not sure if the willows had found a way into his dreams, I yanked at his shoulder. Come on, old man, get up. Ulf cried out in distress and kept fighting. I pushed at him harder. Wake up, you fool! If my thoughts didn't give us away, his loud noises would certainly get us killed. When he still wouldn't wake, I pushed my hand over his mouth and pinched his nostrils closed. After a few seconds of flailing, his eyes flew open. Ulf gripped my wrist tightly and flipped me over. Don't ever do that to me again. His voice was strangely low, and his eyes reflected my own terror. I opened my mouth to defend myself, but I couldn't find the words. I was afraid of Ulf's strength almost as much as I feared the willows. Both had the capacity to snuff out the candle of my life. But I could not think of the willows because that could bring them there, and I couldn't talk about my fears with Ulf because he looked ready to kill me. Something in my expression must have tipped him off because he released his grip and softened. I'm sorry, my friend. Please, let me explain. This has happened before. When I was young, I struggled with sleep. 
I told my mother there were rats in my room and strange whispers in the dark. She told me it was squirrels on the roof of our forest cottage, but squirrels didn't whisper like that. It was a sound that made the night darker than dark and colder than cold. They would whisper suggestions in strange languages I'd never heard before, a language they taught me that didn't sound like it came from my voice. Like a swarm of insects, the words would buzz around my head, just barely out of reach. Take. Kill. Feast. Wolf shivered as I tried to understand what he was saying. So, it is spirits then, or something like it. Ulf shook his head. It felt like these words came not just from a different culture, but from a different world. I sensed a presence around me, grey and colder than Swedish winters, but it didn't have a human air to it. They did not breathe, and yet I could feel them against my neck, waiting, watching. It was like nothing I can describe. I only know that it grew closer when I thought of it, like a photograph coming into focus. And the closer it came, the more I feared them, the more they watched, and the more they knew about both me and my world. Ulf was shaking now, his large frame somehow very small. I did not know how to console him as his story was so odd, but I tried. And yet you escaped, my friend. Were you able to force the thoughts away, even as a child? Ulf's eyes stared past me and into the darkness. I did not escape. I was rescued by my parents, though they did not know they'd done it. We moved to Stockholm, and the bustle of the city carried the voices away. Ulf wiped a tear from his eye. I was certain my horror in the woods was a single, strange experience confined to that time and place. I've paddled these waters many times, as you know. I would never have brought you here if I knew it belonged to them. But it seems they are here, and I believe we were swept away for a purpose. Their purpose. A sacrifice, perhaps. Maybe the one they never got from me so long ago. It's my fault that they're looking for us. Ulf looked so pained, so guilty, that I was overwhelmed with feeling. I placed my hand on his shoulder. I don't blame you, old man. It is highly irregular. What I wouldn't give to see an otter now. Despite my attempt at levity, a chill coursed through my body. Ulf's story was unlike anything I'd encountered, but this trip was proving to me that I knew less about the world than I thought. He fixed me with that iron gaze again. We must keep them from our minds, Seamus. We cannot allow them any closer than they've already come. Taking Ulf's advice was easier said than done, however, 
as my mind wanted to compare his childhood experiences to our current situation, but more importantly, I needed to know how we could get out of it. Ulf had told me the willows had ruined our canoe, but if it was mendable, perhaps we could escape the godforsaken island during the night. I found myself flooded by a sudden courage. I rose from the tent, and despite Ulf's frantic urging to stay, I stepped into the night. I walked to the canoe to examine the extent of the damage Ulf had described. The supplies were gone, as he said, and one of the two oars was missing. Stranger still, something had carved a large, perfectly round hole in the bottom of the boat. With a shudder, I thought of those holes we found on the corpse that had most certainly not been an otter. They were so perfectly formed, like a signet ring had broken through someone's chest. I realized with growing alarm that these holes were around our campsite as well. Even though Ulf's gaze was burning through my skull and he urged me back to the tent, I couldn't fight the impulse to look down and examine the sand. It was riddled with small marks that were perfectly round but had no known source. Small depressions that were soft enough to leave exact imprints on the sand but forceful enough to pierce a person's chest. Were they feet or hands? Did the creatures who left them have some hidden appendage like a platypus's deadly spine that could shoot out and leave us both paralyzed or worse? Ulf shook me from my contemplation. Have you learned nothing from what I've told you? Come back before they find us. I wanted to let my curiosity go, but I couldn't stop thinking about the blasted willows and the spirits that seemed to animate them. The truth was that as much as Ulf begged me to ignore what was happening around us, we couldn't avoid our new reality forever. I told Ulf so. We'll starve to death on this island if we just wait. We need to learn more about them. We must find out what they want. I could hear the shame in Ulf's voice when he finally spoke. Perhaps they have returned for me. I don't know. We can never know. They will destroy us if we try to find out. I swallowed and pushed on. We are stranded and it or they, is out there, hiding amongst the willows. It will come back, and we must be ready. I glanced about, my pulse racing. Finally, I yelled at the willows and the rushing river. Where are you? What are you? What do you want? I heard that strange, otherworldly hum again. It resonated through my spine, and then... I heard horrible whispers, the ones I realized Ulf had described from his childhood. But here they were, loud and clear. The spirits, the willows, were growing closer. I looked up and saw the willow creatures rise up over the tree line, growing taller and taller, twisting and shaping their bronze vines into a horrid, man-like shape. I backed toward the tent in terror when I suddenly felt a horrible pressure on my arm. It was Ulf, grabbing me to hiss. I told you to stop looking. I told you! 
I tried to shake him off, but he was much stronger than me. My arms seared with pain as he squeezed. I ordered him to stop. We had to flee. The creatures would find us. His voice was low and icy as he ordered me to forget the willows. I could feel the tendons of my arm bruising as his vice-like fingers closed around me. Ulf tugged, and I was sure he was about to pull my arm from its socket. I yelled again for him to let me go, but he only pulled harder until he had me in a sleeper hold. The world went hazy with black spots. I tried to fight, but movement only made the pain worse. Still, I wriggled and yelled as the willows moved in the breeze. They were close, and they were getting closer. I made one last attempt to jerk out of Ulf's grip, but his hand finally closed fully. I tried to fight through the pain, but my vision closed in. Before my world was swallowed up by searing torment and white-hot darkness, I heard Ulf whisper, It will all be over soon. Coming up, Seamus faces the willows for a final time. The CIA. They're the first line of defense for the United States, analyzing intelligence to thwart any possible threats and keep us safe. Some of their involvements are made public, and others aren't. Hi, it's Carter from Parcast, and in honor of America's birthday, we're uncovering the cases you were never supposed to know about in the new series, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. From international assassination plots and mind control experiments to catastrophic cover-ups and secret societies fit for film, sift through the agency's most questioned and controversial affairs. Each week, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition exposes the covert operations intended to protect us from conflicts, but end up creating conspiracies. Where does the truth lie? Where do the lies end? And how much do we really want to know? Follow the new Spotify original from Parcast, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. Listen every Thursday, free and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. I don't remember how I made it inside the tent. The only thing I could recall was the crushing weight of Ulf's hand clenching my flesh and then the world going dark. I remember thinking that he was going to rip my arm from my body. Maybe he meant to throw it to the creature and save himself. When I woke, it was still dark and I was still intact. I could feel bruises from Ulf's iron grip, but that was the extent of the damage. I realized a cold, wet wind was moving through the tent. The flaps snapped and waved in the breeze. I sat for several moments in the cold, wondering what had happened to me. 
It was only when the fog of sleep started to clear that I realized that Ulf wasn't in the tent with me, which meant he was out there somewhere, facing those unearthly willows alone. I scrambled out of the tent, glancing in every direction, but I couldn't find any sign of Ulf. The broken boat and remaining oar were still visible, though. He hadn't tried to leave me. Relief rushed over me. Despite Ulf's sudden violence, we were still on the same side. I needed to find him. We had to work together if we hoped to escape this horror. We could attempt to wade out into the river, head for the closest stable shore, clinging to each other like otters in the tide. So I set off to find him. Wandering along the island, I took note of the willows, trying to think of them as nature rather than horror. They were clustering together again, but they weren't bending and melding like they were before. Instead, they were stretching themselves toward the coast, like they were eagerly waiting for something to happen. Some strange impulse came over me to follow their direction as they bent toward the opposite shoreline. A wave of dread washed over me as I saw a figure in the distance in the willows. The closer I came to the figure, the more the edges of it began to look familiar. There was a strange comfort in this, despite my unease. Ulf was a tall man, but his body didn't stretch toward the moon like the horrible willows. I had found him and not them, and I thanked my lucky stars. Ulf had said to ignore the willows, so I cupped my hands around my mouth and called to my friend as casually as I could. Step away from there, old man. <laughs> you never know what the tide will bring. Maybe even an otter. He didn't appear to listen to me. Then he began to shrink, which didn't seem right at all. Was I dreaming, still tossing and turning in the cold tent? But then I realized... I wasn't imagining it. Ulf was shrinking because he was wading into the water. I sprinted toward him, nearly tripping over my own feet. I cried out for Ulf to snap out of whatever fever had overtaken him. If the creatures wouldn't kill him, the tide would. Yet he walked forward, serene, in some kind of trance as his chest, his shoulders, and now his neck dipped into the water. I screamed his name when I felt a horrifying vibration up my back. It wasn't nerves. It was the willows. They were speaking to me again. The air was suddenly stolen from my lungs and my running slowed to a stagger. My thoughts grew muddled as I tried to pass through what I was experiencing. Just as I watched Ulf's nose dipped beneath the surface, I gasped and sprinted into the water to go in after him. But I suddenly found myself rooted to the spot. I looked down to see the willow's reedy tendrils twisted around my arms and torso as if they had sprung up from the water itself, waiting for me like leeches wait for a host. I struggled and struggled, but I could not move. I felt these spots of unbearable pressure on my arms and legs, and I was certain of two things. These were the same tendrils that had left the marks on the dead body and around our camp, 
and I would not move again unless they wanted me to. The gong-like thrumming of the willows intensified around me, as did those terrifying whispers. The willows grew, reaching toward the shore as if they were watching Ulf beneath the surface, waiting for something. I could see Ulf's head in the current. He didn't surface, but he wasn't sinking either. He simply bobbed in place, drowning silently. I tried to scream, to call his name, but no sound left my lips. Then I noticed that his eyes were serene. He had felt such great responsibility in this nightmare, and perhaps now he felt he'd made amends. The thought tormented me, for I had driven him to it with my rash words and my panic. I wanted to rescue him, but I still couldn't move. I felt something wet slide down my cheek, but whether it was tears or blood, I couldn't bring my hands up to dab it away. Suddenly, Ulf's body twisted and disappeared. I heard the roaring of several gongs in my ears. Then came silence. I watched the willows sink back to their original position. Something about them changed, but I couldn't rightly identify it. They lost some of their pointed edges and odd twists. They looked altogether normal now. Shock gripped my body before a wave of grief washed over me. I was alone. And somehow, it was made so much worse now that the willows had changed back to ordinary trees. It was as if what I saw, what we saw, had never really happened. Had Ulf been the reason why? Was he the sacrifice he claimed the trees were hungering for? And had he done it to himself? Or had the strange beings that stalked him as a child finally taken him for themselves? I was certain I'd never understand for sure. It was as Ulf had said. It was not for me to know. A flutter of movement suddenly came to the surface. I unglued my legs to rush over. Relief came fast as I caught sight of Ulf's distinctive head of blonde hair. He was alive. He'd fought the willows and he'd freed himself. But when I got there, I saw that I'd been horribly wrong. Ulf floated limp in the current, his lifeless eyes looking up to the heavens. And on his chest was a circular imprint where his ribs had been cracked and broken. He hadn't drowned. Something had punctured his heart. And the worst of it was that I didn't know if I had ever had a chance of saving him. He could have died under the waves. Or maybe he was already dead when I saw him standing on the shoreline. There was no way to know. I placed my head against Ulf's chest, tears flowing from my eyes. As soon as I touched him, the crash of a thousand gongs and horrible whispers filled my ears. I stumbled back from his body as the sound seemed to thrum from the corpse itself, 
An absent heartbeat replaced with a cacophony of chaos. Terror pushed out every other emotion that had crowded my brain. The river swelled around me far faster than it ever should, so I shouted. It's only an otter! Just an otter! I repeated it over and over again until the thought sunk into my mind and under my skin. I thought back on my journey. Maybe I'd made it here all alone and was shipwrecked. Ulf had passed away in the river, lost to the unforgiving tide, and the only other beings I had seen were dead otters. One when I arrived, and one just now, floating away in the current. Yes, if I listened to myself enough, I would remember that. Otter. It's only an otter. The rushing current slowed, and the water receded until it lapped softly at my feet. And as the sun began to rise, I saw something miraculous. Waiting in the distance was the stable shore of the mainland. I could wade out to it safely. I silently thanked Ulf for his sacrifice, and then I never thought of him or the willows again. Many of Algernon Blackwood's tales belong to a genre that author H.P. Lovecraft liked to call weird fiction. Exploring the otherworldly and strange through the lens of horror, these stories frequently dwelled on the human failure to comprehend existences outside our own. Blackwood was an avid outdoorsman, and his work often focused on the isolation and horror that the wilderness could bring to even the most hardened adventurer. In his mind, wild, remote locations became points of intersection between our realm and another, one filled with beings and spirits we could never hope to understand. Blackwood's work often extended beyond the world of the typical ghost story, yet he remains as one of the most influential authors in the genre. His masterful ability to combine unnerving imagery and realistic psychology is second to none, but he also builds complex worlds that manage to be both terrifyingly clear and horrifyingly disorienting. Blackwood's ghosts and supernatural forces are so powerful because they refuse to be bound by conventions of genre or superstition. There is no appeasing them, no graves to dig or bodies to burn. Death is the ultimate undiscovered country, but its landscape is far more vast than we poor living souls can ever imagine. With his tales, it seems as though Blackwood wants us to widen our consciousness beyond the everyday mundane and delve into something much darker and deeper. But be wary where that exploration takes you. Sometimes it might be better to stay on the shore, or you may find yourself up the creek without a paddle. Thanks again for tuning in to Haunted Places Ghost Stories. 
We will be back on Thursday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast free on Spotify. See you on the other side. Haunted Places Ghost Stories is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Erin Larson. This episode of Haunted Places Ghost Stories was written by Lil Dorita and Jennifer Roche, with writing assistance by Armin Osman and Alex Garland, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Alastair Murden. Hi, it's Carter from Parcast. Every Thursday on Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition, we're uncovering secrets hidden deep within the archives of the Central Intelligence Agency to bring you a special collection of episodes from shows across our network. Follow the new Spotify original from Parcast, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. Listen free only on Spotify. Spotify.